Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14. Alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In this week's episode, we're back on the golf course. Kapalua Golf Resort, Plantation Golf Course, Hawaii. Harris English defending champion as we get back to a 38-player field. Still a hit and giggle, but not quite as bad as some of the others. Excited to have something resembling a real PGA Tour golf event on the calendar and on the television. Also, we're going to take a quick trip up to the Upper Peninsula. Hunter planning a golf trip for 2022. We find out where he's headed in the Upper Peninsula. And bold predictions for the PGA Tour in 2022. Thanks, as always, for listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, the TicketNorthernMichigan.com, and, of course, on Radio 93.7 FM, the Ticket in Traverse City and Cadillac, 104.7 FM, 13.40 AM, the Ticket in Petoskey and Charlevoix, Boyne City area, Wednesday nights at 7. Let's go. Hit me with some sound. Hello, 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 hi. Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode. When I point at you, you say something. I know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode. 13. No, uh, 14, 14, 14. Make it 14. Episode 14. The week of January 3rd. It is Wednesday, January 5th. We are in studio together in Petoskey, Michigan. It is snowing to beat the band outside. So, of course, what does everybody want to do when there's snowstorms going on and winter weather advisories and winter storm watches and everything else? Talk about golf. Yes, indeed. We have golf back. And we are back. We are back. With real live golf action on your television screens with the Century Tournament of champions hit and giggle season continues as we're on to hawaii looks like another big week for the wives here as we head to the plantation course at kapalua golf resort in hawaii i'm sure that uh i'm sure the wives really look forward to the hawaii to the hawaii swing have you been to hawaii no here it's very expensive is that true like just like no idea. Never been there. Never been? Okay. No. The way you asked that, you're like, yeah, I thought you were about to tell me about Hawaii. What's the best? What would you say is the, because this is a resort golf course, like an ocean side location. Neither of us have been to Hawaii. What's like the best resort course that you've ever played? Like a stay and play type situation. And don't, and, and you can't say, let's not say Whistling Straits. That's such a short list. I don't even know if I... So as far as just because <clears throat> I think it's really important to keep in mind that none of my family golfed when I grew up. So like I feel like all of your family trips involve going to stay at a hotel and and then like waking up, go play golf. Not all of them, but, but like, some of them, yeah. That I, that seems like more of a, a lot that seems like a lot more of a possibility than like we would never growing up I never like stayed went to stay somewhere just because nobody ever nobody played golf how'd you get into golf with no one in your family playing it my uncle plays but he's in chicago so or, uh, suburbs of chicago so that's did you not, ever play with him in chicago yeah i played with him in chicago he's a member at a little muni um in sycamore i don't know if you know where sycamore is you can't be a member if it's a muni he, 
you can be a pass holder. That's what I should have said. You're Love it. Pass holder. Love it. That's a important distinction. <laughs> no, we just sounded like big time golf snobs right there. You did. I didn't want to say anything. I, I love Muni, so I don't. I'm not. A, I don't belong to a club. I know. But you're the, the you're the, the fancy the, pants the, of the, the two of us. The membership <laughs> versus pass holder is a tough discussion to have. A yeah, lot of I people. was only joking. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking about that this morning too. Is like I haven't played that many either. You may. You, I know you say your your family went, but. The two that stood out to me were uh, Innisbrook, which is nice. I can't remember if I've ever played the actual Copperhead course or if I was just playing other courses, but my grandma used to have a condo down that area. So I've played there once or twice, and then my mom took me on a business trip once when I was a kid out to... uh, Palm Desert or whatever where they... uh, where they play the uh, Palm Springs. Is that the name of it? Yes. The place in the desert golf in California, kind of Southern California. I believe that's what we it's called. We play, there's a, a professional event there. You know what I'm talking about. Palm Springs is a city in California. Yeah, I so think I, that's it. Okay. It's like La Quinta Golf Resort or something like that. Yes. Does that sound right? Yeah, La Quinta Resort. First time I played desert golf. And club. I was like, this is amazing. You were probably hitting it a long ways. Exactly right. Yeah. For an, for somebody who's not a long hitter at all, particularly when I was less fat and small <laughs> as a kid, I was a really short hitter. I was like, we can move here. This is great. <laughs> My ball's going 15% farther. I'm assuming this was in the wintertime. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be there in the summertime, I don't think. Yeah. No, this was February. February, I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. It was awesome. My mom was just like in meetings all day. I was just at the driving range or by the pool or just hanging. Well, I think we're going to, I think we're, I'm getting to that like stage in my life where I'll start doing more, like ask me in a couple of years. Like we, we might've just, uh, we're in the works of finalizing our, our UP golf trip that I've been, a couple of my buddies and I have been talking about for a long time. In September. I'm excited. So where in the UP, are you, do you guys know where you're going to go? Because I was going to say when I asked you about the, I know you guys don't go far, but you've played some resort golf on this on this boys trip of yours. I mean, you were just at Hilton Head. Oh, that's true. But that wasn't, um, I guess those were all resort courses, yeah. So that's a really good point. Um, it would be whatever the Davis Love course is. I don't even know. I, Atlantic Dunes. That course was awesome. I will continue to say I'm really glad I just didn't forget that name. Atlantic I, Dunes, is that what you said? Atlantic Dunes. Okay. Very, very cool course. Go play Atlantic Dunes if you're in Hilton Head. Yeah. Recommendation. <laughs> Big time recommendation. recommendation I, thought, I, I thought it was awesome. So there are, um, there are a few. I mean, like, I've, I've played all the resort courses here, but the way you set it up was like stay and play. I kept thinking stay and play, which I don't. It's more like I've played all the treetops courses. I like a few of the treetops courses, things like that. That's a good point. Treetops is because I, I almost said like, yeah, I mean, I would get the Boyne or the Bay Harbor courses up there. It feels weird to say that the best resort golf you've played is in your hometown. But being that we live in northern Michigan in a golf destination, you kind of have to consider that. And certainly, I, I mean, I think some it's of a, these courses are really, really nice around here. Treetops is a good point. But since we're. We just have Century to talk about 39-player field. There's obviously not a lot going on in the local golf scene unless you have something on that end, which I don't think you do. 
let's talk a little bit about Upper Peninsula Golf. I mean, tell us, you probably know, I mean, you know a lot about golf in Michigan to begin with, so you know about the courses up there just in the course of, just because you're a golfer, but now that you're actually trying to plan a trip, a golf trip in the Upper Peninsula, you know, let's talk about it, because let's, let's be honest, we're season two, episode 14, we've never really gotten, we haven't spent much time going over the bridge and into the Upper Peninsula as it pertains. We've talked more about Illinois and Wisconsin golf probably than we have about UP golf, so maybe now's a good time to do that. Yeah, no, uh, totally. So um, there is, I don't know if you guys remember last year, last calendar year at least for sure, um, they had the Michigan State played that event up at the Island Resort up in Harris, Michigan. Uh, There's a casino up there. And they have a package called the Perfect Foursome, which you play Sweetgrass, Sage Run, Timberstone, and Gray Walls. And essentially you can, depending on the time, I'm just looking in, in, I think we were looking in either late, early September to late September. If we were early September for four rounds of golf and a three-night stay, you'd be spending less than $500 for that. Total. Total. You can, that includes the four rounds of golf? Yes. And it, the accommodations? Yes. It looks like there is, I, I don't understand what this asterisk means. It says package pricing is based on sweetgrass and sage run golf rounds. Add $10 each to Timberstone and Gray Walls rounds. So you might be spending like, I think that reads as $20, possibly $20 more if you want to play Gray Walls and Timberstone, which I, from what it sounds like, you... Um, you really want to play Gray Walls and Timberstone? All four of them seem like they have kind of their own their own qualities. Um, but I mean, if you talk about talk about price effective price effective rounds of golf, this is prime season rates for for four rounds, three nights stay, and, and two of those nights being weekends. So you'd have to you could stay Friday, Saturday, Sunday for four hundred seventy nine dollars. Yeah, that's amazing. And tell me, just because I, I, I'm ignorant when it comes to UP golf, these courses that you mentioned, Timberstone, Sweetgrass, Gray Walls, are they, they, these are all owned by one company, or is this some kind of cooperative thing that the, all these courses do together to create this package? The way I understand it is the Island Resort and Casino is the home of Sweetgrass and Sage Run. And then they must have some kind of package deal with <clears throat> um, Timberstone and Gray Walls. Because I think Sweetgrass and Sage Run are on property. This is in Escanaba, I believe. Yeah, so Harris, Harris, Michigan is essentially, it looks like about 10 miles west of Escanaba. So Sage Run and Sweetgrass are, I believe, on property. And then Gray Walls is in Marquette and Timberstone is in Iron Mountain. And I'm, I, from what I remember, definitely don't quote me on this. I'm 99% sure that there is a bus involved with this. So it's not necessarily you, it's not you having to drive to Marquette or to Iron Mountain from, from just, just west of Escanaba. Well, the drive to 
It's close to Escanaba, but if you're going to go all the way to Marquette from Harris, it looks like it might take you almost an hour. So, I mean, you guys are going pretty far west here. I mean, you're all the way. Harris is is on the other side of the lake. Correct. Yeah. That's going to be a decent haul for you guys. Probably going to drive. What's that, a four or five hour drive? It says three and a half. No. Yeah. Three and a half. That's not too bad. No. And I don't. I and mean, you're going to stay in this one at this one casino resort, and then shuttle effectively to the golf courses each day. You're going to play 36. No, we would play. Um, in my eyes, we would play Thursday. We'd we'd drive up there Thursday morning, play Thursday afternoon, stay in a stay in a hotel. Play Friday. We could just. We, I think we just play eighteen holes a day. I think we could do that. I'd be fine. It doesn't really. I think. I think eighteen holes a day is actually probably better than. I think you just get tired, worn out. When, so I'm looking at the top ten golf courses in the Upper Peninsula. Gray Walls is in Marquette, right? I believe so. Yes. And, and I've it heard, does say Gray Walls is affiliated with. With the island resort and casino, so it must be it must be owned by them. I've heard some very mixed things about Gray Walls. I think it's one of those courses you need to play, but I don't know if you, um, I don't know if you saw the the no laying up, um, that tour sauce video. They they did a video on Gray Walls, and the course looked like hell to handbasket. It really it looked. It did not look like you had to just hit some some very weird angles, some very weird approach shots, some. Some shots that 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 you thought were good swings ended up just getting getting destroyed by some bad bounces. Some some well, weird there are qu- quite literally when they say gray walls. Yes, they they mean that in the literal sense, right? Like there's some exposed rock because you're in that more like severe topography that is native to the Upper Peninsula or whatever, particularly in the northern stretches, right? Yes. Like what would be on the other side would be kind of like pictured rocks. Over here, you're still maybe not quite that severe, but I just think it's interesting because I'm looking at, you know, this is, take it with a grain of salt, it's TripAdvisor. So this is people that have actually gone and played, but Gray Walls is nowhere to be found if you're looking at the top golf courses in the Upper Peninsula on, on TripAdvisor, maybe for that reason that people just find it to be too severe or or or, or too difficult. Yeah, but definitely. The, all I should say that all the other ones that you mentioned uh, uh, are on there. Well, that's not true. Sage Run I have not found, but Sweetgrass is on here, and that's towards the top. So people seem to really like Sweetgrass, and it looks Sweetgrass has that cool look to it where it's green, but it has a lot of uh tall grass like heather. It looks has like a sort of a linksy look to it. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, that's the course I've I've always heard. Um, I've probably heard the best things about Sweetgrass, but I think uh, I think it's tough because I think we we're so used to. I don't want to like knock on Boyne, but Boyne pricing. So, like I, I think we're just so accustomed to seeing one hundred and twenty five dollar rounds, where if you go north three and a half hours or you go south five hours like that Indiana trip was so cost effective too so I feel like there's so much cost effective golf out there I think our brains are just maybe a little bit conditioned to 
like when I saw less than five hundred dollars for for four nights stay and or three nights stay and four rounds of golf, I it's not something that really exists up here. I don't think. No, that's amazing value, and I think I'm starting to get this figured out now because is Gray Walls was either formerly was it formerly called Marquette Golf Club? I believe it's or it's part of Marquette Golf Club. Maybe. Yeah, so Marquette Golf Club has the Gray Walls course and the Heritage course. So I'm starting to look at some photos, and, like, it is it is insane. Yes. It looks amazing. It does look, and that's, I think, if you... It looks like you're playing golf in, like, a rugged, natural, natural, uh, like, a forest preserve or a, a, some kind of, you know, national park or something. I do think if you are able to just just experience the golf course and have and set your expectations a little bit lower and and i think it's definitely just from the pictures it looks like a course that you need to play more than once just to have any idea of of what is of of landing areas things like that hunter will definitely be losing a few uh, at least a sleeve of balls while he's out here at least i can't mean i yeah yeah it looks like one of their signature holes here that i'm looking at photos of it goes it's like uphill and and looks like a dog legs to the left and you can't see the surface of the fairway, but you're staring into like a giant stone wall as you hit like a severely like up up like a thirty percent grade of an uphill tee shot, and then they've carved some of the greens out of that like those sections where there is exposed stone like immediately to one side. Of the green, so I can see how like you would literally get, if you're not hitting it straight, you could be literally blocked out and have kind of some goofy angles. But that makes more sense to see this at. It's just ranked as Marquette Golf Club rather than as Gray Walls, but it, it that's 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 up there. That's this is number three in terms of the the ones that people on TripAdvisor like in the UP. So how did you find like how did you guys arrive at? I know the price was appealing but how'd you come to arrive at this for your next trip uh i don't even i really don't even know i I think it was a mix of of brad brad asked if we wanted to do a golf trip and then i think it was a mix of that with me always saying like this this is a package that i've seen for since last year i think that just never had the opportunity to take advantage of so i think i don't i don't really like flying to golf like I literally drove to South Carolina because I, first of all, I don't like flying. I don't like, I don't like airports and I especially don't like other people touching my golf clubs for a prolonged period of time. And maybe them getting lost, broken. There's so many, so many different possibilities when that, when those bags leave my hand at that airport that I just, I would rather fly. So the fact that it's only four hours away, three and a half hours away, big factor and i think the price obviously i I want to play these golf courses bad yeah yeah how'd you find out about the have you known about these golf courses for a long time yeah well you hang you hang around joe villamere long enough up up uh expert he tells you oh he's the resident upper peninsula golf course expert in in petoskey yeah he used to um talk about getting granular he this is a fellow member at Petoskey Bayview Country Club and and, yes. a, and a fixture in the Petoskey golfing community for those who don't know. And I he worked at a prison up in Iron Mountain for years. So he, he was, he's from the UP. 
I know that. And I just don't remember what part. I'm pretty sure it's Iron Mountain. So well, that explains a lot. Yeah. You imagine him. I would mess with him. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would mess with him. He was my JV golf coach. He was my JV golf coach. (laughs) (laughs) Never should have been on the damn JV, but that's a topic for another day. I guess that's true. I wasn't wasn't actually. He was the JV golf coach, but (laughs) you were, he did not ever coach you. On account of your uh, incredibly high skill level, which you still have to this day, of course. I would I would say that's a, more of a testament to the skill level of other golfers around me on the team, maybe more than um, my particular skill level at that given time. Well, it's good you have that golf trip to look forward to yeah, in September. Which... We'll have a review from you on on how how it went and whether or not you were able to handle gray walls. How's your uh, has your simulator season gotten underway yet? No, and I don't know if it will. You're not you're not gonna play any winter golf? I don't think so. I'm not uh I'm having a tough time right now. Like this is COVID COVID killed basketball for me, which I need to start playing basketball again. That was what always kept me busy in the wintertime. And then obviously COVID happened and like <clears throat> the basketball that we played was at a high school, Harbor Springs High School or Harbor Springs Middle School rather, and you couldn't we weren't allowed in the gym for I think we're just starting to allow it back in now. So that's really what I would prefer to play basketball in the wintertime than play golf. And the league's also, Eric at the Petoskey Golf Center is having a killer time because there's no room in the league for the the second winter league. Ryan and I were going to do it. But I might try to get Just up there. Just too full, you mean? Too full, yeah. Too many people. What a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's good to see. We needed something like that in Petoskey. Really, like a, a good one. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. nice to see it yeah, take it's off. Awesome. And he's got a couple new ones in there. New simulators, that is. And that's why, that would be a reason why I, I would want to get up there, is just to um, is to try the new simulators. I, I would, I think those simulators are awesome. I would I would so much, you you could find me, if we had a dome. That yeah, only, I, only say, I knew like you were going for the heated range. 75 yards. All I would need was 75 yards, 50 yards even. I, just, I would just love to see my ball take, you would find me there maybe every day after work if I had something I could see. Fly all the way to the ground. You got to come down to Chicago and go over to Cog Hill as an awesome setup. Wait, you see it all the way to the ground? How far is How big of a range is it? Outdoor ranges. Oh, just heated. That are plowed, shoveled oh. or whatever. Could, that, you, could you imagine? I'm that's surprised, right. I'm surprised Boyne doesn't have that yet, to be honest with you. Very surprised. Yeah. So Cog Hill is like the major one, I think, in, in the Chicagoland area. Because that, that is a golf factory, for those that don't know. I mean, it's a championship golf in the sense that it has Dubs Dread, but there's three other golf courses there. And one of the bigger driving ranges that I've, that I've seen at Cog Hill there, and they just have... It's covered so that you can't get, you know, you can't get rained on or snowed on, and uh, heat comes from it's heated, and so you just like go there and you hit off a mat, and there your ball goes out to the regular range. Yeah. And they also have like the TrackMan technology and stuff set up in the hitting base so that you can have that kind of stuff as well if you want it. I I, I just I feel like I can. I feel like in a way I can almost you almost can like manipulate the simulator to to hit the shot that like where I think I'm hitting a very high block is actually a really good swing in the simulator and I feel like it just creates some bad habits bad habits I'm gonna play my first simulator golf next Sunday or this Sunday this Sunday first like 
first ever? No, like of, first... The, of the year. Okay, here? I've been to Petoskey Golf Center a couple times. I enjoy the simulator golf just because I think it's, I can't, I'm never going to do it enough. Like, I'm not going to be in a league and I, I can see, like, if you were playing in the simulator twice a week or, you know, like, really frequently, you could pattern some bad habits. But for me, it's worth it just to go once in a while because it's just, like, reminding myself how to swing a golf club and just get, like, a few, you know, get a few swings in, hit a few shots just so I'm not, the golf club doesn't feel so foreign in my hand when, you know, the snow finally melts and the spring season is here, so. Yeah, and that's probably what. I'll need to get to do something to not. I've been telling Braymeyer now for for years. He just needs to get a simulator in his basement. We wouldn't be having any issues. That would be. I think really what my talk about simulators. I'm going. I'm going to buy one of those putting mats that you were talking about last week, two weeks ago. The birdie ball. I'm buying one. I don't know when. That's that's where I need to see improvement. Well, good for you the, for recognizing the the part of your game that needs the most attention. <sighs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right, should we talk about the Century Tournament of Champions? Yeah. All right, so this is the, you know, Century Tournament of Champions because it's the winners from the previous year. Interestingly, as I look at my sort of news and notes here for this tournament, one of the things that stood out to me was Xander Shoffley being in this field. (laughs) Did you notice that? Well, I figured he had to be. Why would he not be? Because he didn't win a PGA Tour event last year. He what? won the Olympics. That's a, that's a very good point. Don't you find that interesting? I mean, no, I mean, not really. I think he should be in the field. He won the Olympics. Just because it's just like the Olympics is not. This is the Century Tournament of Champions. PGA Tour. I guess that's where the question lies. Is, the is Olympics it? is not a PGA Tour event. Like, is this, this was the Tournament of Champions of all champions. We'd have a bunch of Euro guys, that, like, you know, because you won the whatever. The Italian Open. I'm trying to get more. I mean, granted, there's no precedent for this because we've only done the Olympics golf thing twice, and I think the year that Rose won the Olympics. Actually, I can't say this for a fact. I'd have to go back and look it up, but I'm pretty sure he won another tournament that year. And so he would have been in this field anyway, and it was not an issue. But I just, that was one thing that stood out to me right away is what the hell is Xander Shoffley doing here? He did not win a PJ Tour event last year. <laughs> and it reminded me of the Cantlay versus Shoffley debate which of those two is better and you got one guy who's just won the FedEx you know like it was just like and the other guy technically doesn't even belong in the event and yet we're still having that conversation and Xander's still priced lower granted he he's won this event before and they obviously I get it the tour wants their biggest stars teeing it up but it just seems like you kind of went out on a limb to make that happen. Now watch, because of that, what I just said over the past 90 seconds or whatever it was, he's going to win this week. Just to really grind put, my gears. Really put it to you, I bet you. Yeah, I, this, I mean, this really seems to have you heated up. Um, I, I have absolutely no problem with Xander Shoffley getting the invite. 
Okay. It's zero problem. Okay. He won the gold medal. Also of interest is Phil. We'll be teeing it up, obviously, that last year's uh, PGA champion. So first time in 21 years that Phil has teed it up at the Tournament of Champions. He has won this event twice. That was before it made it to Kapalua. Probably this golf course will be friendly to him since it's resort golf and the fairways are so wide and that kind of thing. But, I mean, I, I still don't see him being any kind of a serious factor. I think there's 30, we're down to 38 guys total, I think, in this field. I hope that that's right. Sounds right. I think we're at 39 before. The only guy who's, only guys who are eligible and not teeing it up are Rory McIlroy, who just uh, doesn't want to be here, or maybe his wife doesn't like Hawaii or something, uh, and Cam Champ, who is only not playing by virtue of the fact that he has tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, Harris English won this tournament last year, attempting to become only the second player ever to defend. Can you guess the previous player? to defend a title at the Century Tournament of Champions. I'll give you a hint. It was in 2010. In 2010. Um, and no, you can't Google it. Stop moving your fingers over there. I'm not Googling. I'm just I can see it. your just fingers moving. I'm seeing if moving. it's on the page and I'm already I can see out. your shirt crinkling around the elbows. Um, the answer is Jeff Ogilvy. Too much time has passed. Well, I would have never gotten that. And uh, the other storyline that is of some interest is that Colin Morikawa could, depending on how both guys play, uh, overtake John Rahm for the number one official world golf ranking at the end of this week if things play out in his favor. So that's on the table and something that you'll probably hear about during the broadcast. Well, good for Colin. Number one in the world and, and number 11 on the PIP list. We haven't talked about that yet. We need to talk about that at some point. We can, so let's talk about that after the Century Tournament of Champions. Um, <clears throat> what, what needs? Do you know the situation and what needs to happen? Or is it just Colin needs to play well and John doesn't? I don't know the exact scenario, and I don't think it's, you know, like it's hard to elaborate on it because the point system is mm-hmm. like a 40-player field, so I don't know. I, I think it... If they put that in print, I take it to mean that, you know, it's not like a first and last type of situation. You know, like it's on the table if if John doesn't play great or if Colin wins. You know, like if he wins, I imagine that unless Rom is up there close to the top, that he would probably pass him because that's really how you get a lot of world golf rankings points. Does it seem weird that Colin Morikawa could potentially be the number one player in the world at the end of this week? I don't think so. No. It's, sure. it's I think it's crazy how I haven't done a lot of I haven't listened to a lot of other podcasts or anything yet this week, but I think it's interesting how the attention seems to have completely like the shine is off John Rahm. Yeah, it happened quick, didn't it? I know he's like a co betting favorite. With Justin Thomas, who wins this tournament like every other year, fairways are so wide, it's so helpful to him. But and it is about your irons, and he must like the greens here. But John Rahm was by far the best player on the PGA Tour last year, and here we are just kicking off the next season. It's only a few months later, and he's not even the he's not even the betting favorite on his own. Well, be careful! He didn't even win Player of the Year. Well, I know we've been over that. <laughs> 
ridiculous. <laughs> I don't want to get too far into that. Did you hear about Patrick Cantley? Somebody asked him about his time off. What did he say? That he really enjoyed it and, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. You know, he's talking about how he's practicing and playing golf all year round. I was like, what are you talking about? He played like 15 events last year. It's 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, there's a lot of weeks in a year, and he did not play many weeks, but But it also shows you like just some average slouch at home on his couch doesn't really take into consideration perhaps how specific the preparation is for these guys for each event. Because he was talking about, well, well, I got ready to do my prep for this event, and I'm thinking, wow, are you doing like preparation specific to Kapalua or... Yeah, this is probably more going into it than we give them credit for, but yeah, I agree. And and I guess if um if you can play less, I think it wasn't fifteen; it was like twenty one or two, I think, something like that. If you can play that many times in a year and win four of them, I would keep doing it. I think it seems whatever he's doing is working. Yeah, you found the sweet spot for yes. your own personal schedule. I would say for sure. Yeah, there's no need to. Not everyone can be Sung J M. Not everyone has to be Sung J.M. Not everyone can be Sung J.M., Hunter. He's a he's a one-of-a-kind. That is very true. One-of-a-kind person. That's that's how I should have said it. All right, you ready to hear about the golf course? Yeah. So this baby is 7,596 yards. It is a par 73. What fun is that? There are eagle opportunities Uh Available here, including the 18th hole. Uh, Harris English, who we mentioned, won this tournament last year. Actually, in a playoff over Joaquin Neiman, had a putt for Eagle on the 18th hole to win the golf tournament outright. You may remember the 18th hole as a sort of you can hit like a power hook and like ride this humongous slope down into the lower level of the fairway and then hit you hit over a ravine into the green for your second. But... This course is unique in the sense that there are pretty significant elevation changes, a lot of ocean views, big fairways, big greens, big features. Um, I think the winning score last year was 25 under. The average winning score is 22 under, only three times in, I believe, 13 years that we've played this event at this venue. Has the winning score been less than 20 under? And from what I understand... From my unimpeachable sources at the golf course, it's a little soggy. So it's going to play even friendlier in the sense of um, being able to control your golf ball and, you know, hit it pretty, hit, you know, stop the ball on the greens mm-hmm. with any club in your bag, you know, with, with uh, a reasonable amount of comfort. So. That's kind of the setup for the golf course. I mean, when you have 40 guys playing a resort course in Hawaii, that is a celebration of the fact that they won the previous year. Again, I think if you're going to try to pick a winner in this event, you do have to you, sure you look at history. And Justin Thomas obviously plays well here. He must really like this golf course. There's something there for somebody to have won twice and, you know, hardly ever play poorly. Um, but you have, there's been some, you know, more surprising names that have 
emerged victorious here. You know, not just Harry last year, but look, he was in a uh, playoff with Neiman. Um, so I think motivation is obviously, you know, is a significant part of this. You know, who's trying to win this week? Uh, maybe more so than how players are trending coming in or their form or even how they, you know, they fit the golf course. Like everybody fits this golf course because this golf course isn't hard. I think you can probably favor length a little bit if you want, but, um, you know, I think it's just an interesting tournament to look at because it is, you know, guys are just kicking off their years. They may be not, ter- you know, super serious about this event. They probably, if they're at this event, it's not unlikely that they brought their families, their wives, like we mentioned earlier. I mean, it's a chance to go on vacation in Hawaii. So I think all types of, you know, players are, are in consideration here uh, for sure. Anything about the golf course or the tournament, Hunter, and then I'll get to the uh, odds board, and we'll just go through the whole thing top to bottom since there's only 38 guys. Uh, I do think it'll be interesting to see the um, – you mentioned it, the the weather – or not necessarily the weather, but the amount of <clears throat> particip- water that's been on the golf course and how wet it is, where I, I'm pretty sure they imagine this golf course playing pretty firm and fast and to, to have it not play like that, it'll be interesting to see. Looks like very little chance of wind – at least strong winds. So I imagine. Is it going to continue raining throughout the week? Um, if you've got the play meteorologist for us, if you get the forecast pulled up. No, it looks like really good weather. Uh, it looks like 80, 80 and very low chances of rain Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I. So maybe just a sprinkle or a. Yeah, it looks a like little bit of precipitation here maybe. or there. So maybe that sogginess and wetness kind of goes away over the weekend, but you can get off to a, you know, a fast start. I'm not going to play the wet course narrative all the way through to the, you know, just to the to the odds, you know, in my my own card in terms of deciding who I'm going to back, but it is something that I have in the in the back of my mind if I need to break a tie, but here is the odds board for the Century Tournament of Champions 2022. We mentioned John Rahm and Justin Thomas are co-favorites at 8-1. to one. This is FanDuel uh, odds that I'm reading you right now. Colin Morikawa is next at 10-1. to one. At 11-1, to one, both Bryson and Victor Hovland. Hovland, uh, uh, recently a winner as... You may recall more recently than everybody, I think everybody else in this field besides Kokrak and Na, who won the team event. Uh, Xander and Patrick Cantlay are next at 12 to 1. Interesting that they're priced the same. Sam Burns, 16 to 1. Cam Smith, who I've seen a lot of interest in in the Twittersphere this week, is at 20 to 1 along with Jordan Spieth. And Hideki Matsuyama. Sung J M looks like he's been bet down a little bit. He's now twenty-two to one, along with Daniel Berger, Tony Finau, and Patrick Reed, twenty-seven. Brooks and answer twenty-nine. Obviously, seeing Brooks at twenty-nine is interesting and draws the eye. Mark Leishman and Harris English and Jason Kokrak, all thirty-three to one. Taylor Gooch, forty-one to one. Seamus Power. 50 to 1 along with Billy Horschel. 
Kevin Na, 65 to 1. Going to be very hard for yours truly to resist a number like that. Siwoo Kim, 80, along with Max Halma and Lucas Herbert. Or a bear, I'm not really sure. A bear sounds cool. Brendan Grace, Garrick Higo, Kevin Kisner, Cameron Davis, all 100 to 1. These are pretty darn good odds for a 38-player field if you like any of these guys. Joel Dahman, Phil Mickelson, K.H. Lee. 120 to 1. Eric Van Ruyen, Matt Jones, 130 to 1. Stuart Sink, 210 to 1, along with Lucas Glover. They round out the odds board for the Tournament of Champions 2022 at Kapalua Resort in Hawaii. Anything stand out to you there, Hunter? Um, not necessarily. No, I don't I don't love the finishing position winner this week. I do. If there's one number that really stands out to me, just given the fact that he has won here twice and he has two other top three finishes on top of that, kind of a weird, I've never bet a top five, don't necessarily love betting top fives, but Justin Thomas is plus 170 to top five. I think I'm predicting a very big year for Justin Thomas. I, I'm a Justin Thomas truther, have been for a long, but I'm expecting like 2017 Justin Thomas, maybe with another win on top. I'm like five to six wins I'm hoping for. I think Bones is going to really revitalize his game and get him kicking in the right uh, the right direction. I'm very excited to see what happens. Give out that number again in the book where you got that number because I'm looking on FanDuel, which is the site I just gave you the outright odds on, has Justin Thomas plus 135. To top five. So if you're plus 175, that's a good number. Plus one, uh, 170, uh, Barstool Sports. So that's a good number. Yeah. On Barstool, it's available to you there. It's much lower on other. You can see why he's actually the shortest odds of anybody to finish in the top five on FanDuel, plus 135. Next behind him is Rom at 155. I also thought the 135 was interesting. If it had been 170, I probably would have clicked it just because you figure – Almost half the time he's going to finish in the top five here, but it's interesting that you mentioned, I was going to ask, do you have any bold predictions for the golf season in 2022? It sounds like one of them is that Justin Thomas will, you think he's going to win a major and win two or more tournaments, probably. Um, I didn't say a major, but I, I would, I would be, I'd be willing to, I think he's going to win five times. Five times. Yes. Okay. So you think he's gonna have a massive year? Well, that's the two. I'm just thinking of that 2017 season he had. That was five wins. So <clears throat> I, I expect something similar to that. Well, I'm something of a Justin Thomas truther myself. I mean, I've said I think on this podcast too that I believe he is the push come to shove. I think he's the best American golfer in the world. But it sounds almost crazy to say that now, just because of the past year and a half or whatever that he's had. Yeah. It's been. You know, he won the players, and then it's been kind of quiet, and he hasn't had been in contention in a lot of the bigger events. So, but you know, the thing about Justin Thomas is that it's almost been one club holding him back. Yeah, and so you can see five wins for a guy that's you know not won in a little while, just because it's just that one club. It's just the putting. Yeah, and that and the putting was he just had such a tough year with the flat stick last year that that really held him back because you continue to look at the 
strokes gained numbers and particularly on approach. He's just, you know, Morikawa's up there now too. And Hovland, he's got a little more competition, but he's so great on approach that, and that is really what resort golf kind of is all about because the greens are going to be a little bit flatter and the, and the fairways are going to be a little bit wider. So it is kind of a four day closest to the pin competition and, you know, you could certainly connect the dots and say that's part of the reason why Justin has had so much success here. But that's an interesting prediction. That's certainly bold. Certainly yeah. qualifies as a bold prediction to say one guy is going to have five victories. Especially, especially with how with how competitive the fields are these days. But I, I've it's hard to believe that that was that long ago. We're coming up on five years since his 2017 season, where he kind of had that breakout, and everyone was like, "Well, well this guy is something." And that was, I mean, since. I guess even since before then, I've I truly believe that he has he's the best ball striker. But if he could just make a few more putts, but you see him like once he starts making a few, they are they all start to fall. He's just so streaky. I guess similar with a lot of a lot of players. So you like him to top five? Are you also going to back him to win at eight to one? Um, I only have him at seven to one on Barstool. I don't think so. Um. No, I don't think so. Interesting that Barstool has them at shorter outright odds and f- significantly longer top five odds. It just seems like a... And so he's so, so he's plus 750. He's the shortest odds on the board for finishing position, 750, and Rom's 800. And then they're both um, the same odds for top five. Plus 170. And top 10. Yeah, that's a good number. So there was a few... I'm trying to see if... If you like... Another thing I think just with these short, these uh, smaller field sizes, if you like, like you can get Justin Thomas minus 137 to top 10, Colin Morikawa minus 120, Patrick Cantley minus 120. You you can go all the way down to Xander Shoffley before you have to start giving money back to the book. Or, or <clears throat> until you start, and then at, 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 rather at Xander Shoffley, you start getting plus odds. Yeah, I looked at that too, and I think it's interesting that you bring up Xander by name because I really thought that, that I have minus 105 for him to top 10, which is, again, you're asking him to finish in the top quarter of this field. You know, any given week, anybody can play, you know, really well or really bad. But I agree with Hunter that you have, if you have strong feelings about one of these guys kind of near the top or in that mid mid range, you know, a top 10 is a great place to look this week because there's, uh, you know, there's there's pretty good value if you compare that finishing position to the size of this this field and the kind of numbers you're looking at. Like, you really like Brooks this week, and he's plus one seventy, yeah, to top ten. So you really like Sung J M, he's plus one fifty five to top ten. I believe he was uh, fifth here last year, and he seems to be good on these coastal kind of courses. Um. So, you like Tony Finau? Again, plus 170 to top 10. Patrick Reed, a guy that I'm considering backing this week and probably going to play in some DraftKings, plus 190 to top 10. And then, you know, farther down, if you like a guy like Kevin Na, like I do, even though this is a big course and the the moisture and the, and the ground kind of worries me a little bit in that sense because he's not long, but plus 360. To what? To top, to top 10? 10. Wow, that was a really good. I mean, it's, he's only plus two hundred on Barstool Sports. Okay, well, I will be clicking that then. 
Because <laughs> I think I think Nah kind of rides a hot hand too, and I think he's actually been hot for a while. People forget we actually cashed in outright at the Tour Championship without starting strokes on Kevin Nah because he actually t- he tied John Rahm for the lowest mm-hmm. score to par. Uh, that week, that was a 60-1 to 1 ticket, and he's since followed that up by winning the team event with Jason Kokrak. So I know this is a big boy golf course in that sense, but Harris English is not a, a super long hitter, and he won here last year and got to minus 25, so he certainly is a little longer than Kevin Na maybe, but um, I would agree with you that the top fives and t- top tens are are worth looking at uh, this week. You're going to bet your uh, your strokes gained leader, uh Jordan Spieth? Strokes gain leader. What do you mean? I'm pretty sure he's the strokes. Like he's didn't he lead the tour and strokes gain? I'm pretty sure of, of the field. Pretty sure he has the best stroke. I saw some stat that he was leading the field in strokes gained of this field in 2021. You mean? I believe so. Yeah, I'm not looking at any strokes gained out of this this week. No, it probably goes without saying. No model. I think you're making a joke. Is there no, there's no model for this week. There, nobody's playing golf, so like I don't want to consult old data. That's why, again, I think that this is an interesting opportunity for a gambler because you're pro- you're probably not taking a lot of that into consideration. Because if you are, then you're just betting. You're probably gonna bet Cam Smith because he's been hot as hell and he played well at the RSM where Taylor Gooch won. Maybe you're going to play Jason Kokrak or somebody like that. You might even play Taylor Gooch. Uh, and at the top, you're going to play either Hovland or Morikawa. I mean, we kind of know who played well at the in the latter stages of last year and, and the guys who have teed it up since then. But I don't think that's really that strong of an indicator of who's going to play well here. I think it has more to do with who wants to win and who's been practicing. Yeah, exactly. Some of these guys have not been playing very much golf. But that's, again, part of the reason why I think people will get on JT. And I'm with you. I think it makes it makes sense. He's played more recently than anybody else in this field because he played with his dad. And we saw him hit a lot of good shots in the PNC Championship. So that's, you know... I just don't want. To, I'm gonna. Tr- I'm gonna try as much as I can to block that out so that I don't let the recency bias affect me too much. But I'm also gonna have a really light card this week. I do think that uh, it sounds like Rom, at least Rom, Spieth, and JT were here. We're at in Hawaii for the New Year, and I've been there all week. And JT has shot a 61 um, in a practice round. That would be a cor- new course record. 62 that's the current sure. course record yeah, which can you that. who has ever shot 11 under and marked it as and shot 62 that's very true I weird playing a par 73 but i mean he loves this he loves this golf course right justin thomas like he shot 61 here this week he's won here twice the other times that he's played here and not won he's still played well i think yeah right? two um, I'm under the everything. Other, everything I've said was was under the impression that he has two wins and then he has a pair of third place finishes. Amazing, and yeah. that's probably in like six or seven tries, maybe at the most. So it's four top five finishes. So, um, top three finishes. So I have him clicked. 
I have Brooks clicked. I have Kevin not clicked. Can we talk about Brooks for a second at twenty nine to one? I'm not. Yeah, you can, if you want to click that, that's a crazy number. So you, why is he crazy? In what sense? That it should be higher. You think Brooks is gonna come out and win the tournament champions? Why shouldn't I think that he is? When was the last time he won? Well, obviously last year. What was what was the event? Scottsdale. Wasn't it Scottsdale? And he may have won again after that. I just I think I think he won two. I think he may have even won two tournaments last year. Can you look it up just so we don't sound like idiots? I feel like I just fall into the stereotype that Brooks doesn't doesn't care about anything but the majors, I which see, I know is I like so, which is which mean. is so stereotypical, and everyone says it. But I do think <laughs> I do think it's true. I don't think he plays nearly. He doesn't concentrate nearly as much. Doesn't care nearly as much. Okay, that's an interesting take because I would have gone the other way and and figured he's get, he's been getting so slighted. I feel like that he's looking for an opportunity to trounce on somebody, and he just whipped Bryson's behind in that match. So maybe he's not that that was Bryson made that very hard on him, but. 29 to 1 is a really large number for a guy that's of that quality. Yes, he won the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So, but that's, I mean, that's about all I have. I mean, if I wasn't going to bet, I also really like Rom because I think Rom motivationally didn't win the, he takes every golf tournament seriously, I think. That's my personal impression of him. I don't know that for a fact, but that's the impression I get from John. If I were him, I would be so pissed that I didn't win player of the year that I would have some motivation in that sense. He played great at the Ryder Cup, won all his matches, and his team still got whipped. So, like, I still feel confident in saying that John Rahm is the best player, even in this field, among the best of the best. So, you know, he's 8-1 to one every week. And this field's only 38 guys. You know, Justin Thomas is not eight to one every week, so it would be easier to say there's value on John Rahm. But I think I'm probably going to end up betting on one of those two guys, um, and maybe I'm a sucker, and it will be JT. But I really feel like one or both of those two will play well. I also see no reason why Morikawa or Hovland should not play well here. I mean, again, two guys who probably don't have are less likely to be distracted or or under motivated because they're so young and because they want to win every tournament and you know I, I just think they're at a stage of their career where you know maybe you've got a Spieth and JT even Bryson coming in here and just kind of like having a having a fun week but I don't see Morikawa or Hovland particularly Vic since he ha- he doesn't have a family or anything else I mean I think those guys are going to tee it up and and try to win this week. So it's hard to dip too far down the board when you see reasons why some of the best players in the field are going to play well. But I think I'll probably end up on either Rom or Thomas, and I'll add Kevin Na, and I'll probably leave it at that unless I get back in on Brooks. But you've kind of talked me out of that for now. Well, I apologize for that. Well, you're probably saving me five bucks. That's that's true. Do you have any uh, – what's your bowl prediction for the for the year? Cut the tension with a butter knife in here. I'm trying to think of one. I can tell. 
<laughs> I can tell. I was, well, I'm glad. I hope that's what you're doing. You know, I think it's interesting that we've had some older major winners the past couple of years. Tiger won a Masters. Phil won the PGA. I'm going to say that the average age of major winners in 2022, I don't know how bold this prediction is. Maybe it's not very bold at all. I'm going to say the average age of the major winners in 2022 will be under 30 years old. I think we're probably going to have... Thanks. <laughs> I think this, I think even with Phil, I think wasn't this year's probably around 30. No, I don't. Do you think so? What was... Ugh. Well, Morikawa, I guess, slants it pretty severely in one direction, but... I think you have to go lower than 30. 30 is like... That's like the whole PJ Tour darn here. No, it's not. I, I think you have a... You may misunderstand what age these guys are. So I I'm, I just keep going back to, to Justin and Jordan being 28 or 29. So I'm like everything... I'm just thinking of everything from them under, which is a lot of guys... And a lot of guys that have been winning recently. So, like, there's obviously, like, the Dustin Johnsons of the world who are in the mid-30s. Because how old is Hideki, Colin, Phil, and who's my fourth? Okay, so Colin's, what, like, 22? Uh, Phil's, like, 46. How old was Phil? He was 50. I thought he was 50. Yeah. Well, he start, he's, he's playing on the Champions Tour, so he's got to be 50. 51, I think. He's played Champions Tour events. Winning in convincing fashion. I mean, who won the U.S. Open? John Rahm. And he's 27? Seven. Is that right? So we're at 130. What's 130 divided by four? 32 and a half. So I'd like you to go a little lower than 30. So I win. I'd like you to go. I win. I don't know. No, I win. No, because your your point was, I don't know if this is a bold prediction. I don't think 30 is very bold. We should have a 50-year-old win a major. I don't think that's going to happen You're right. Again. You're right. You're right. All right. Let's retake that. I don't have a bold prediction then. <laughs> you're not cutting that. You're not cutting any of that. I'm not oh, I'm cutting it. It has to be cut because we're way over on time. All right, so picks, quick picks for the century. I'm probably going to get on Justin Thomas. I'm also going to bet Kevin Nah. I might. I'll probably back him with finishing positions. I'm going to bet Sung J. I, I like Sung J M to top ten at almost plus two hundred odds. So those are the three that I'm willing to give out publicly. How about you? Uh, J T top five, definitely, and then plus one seventy on Barstool Sportsbook. Yes, and then I will consider. It's gonna be a high, it's gonna be a victor and uh, JT year I think this year it's gonna be a lot of so I'm gonna consider an outright on I don't love eleven to one but I do think talk about good form he's won two times in the last like month and a half two months so it's worth mentioning. All right, let's talk about your silly little PPE thing or whatever. PIP. PIP. Well, let's let's just quickly touch on it. I, I don't know what their I don't know what their thought process was when they created this program. I think there's a lot better places they could they could have given. How much was it? Fifty. Well, it's idiotic. So, if that is that what you're trying to say? I'm I'm trying to say that I don't understand why they just lined Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods' pocket with more money when 
Phil Mickelson. I mean, I, I do. I, I think they have a fundamental misunderstanding about how social media works and how you gain followers and how, like, to when the, the, you are as as big of a figure as Tiger or Phil, you you're not going to be overcome by, you know, Jim Herman. I'm sorry, but it's just not going to happen. Those guys have outsized influence. And it is the exact same in every single sport. Yeah. There are one, two, three figures at the very top of the game who move the needle and sort of everybody else falls into a category below that. In the NBA, LeBron James. In the NFL, Tom Brady. You know, there are superstars of sport. In tennis, Naomi Osaka. Like, there's just you know who the really big figures are and somebody even if you're the fifth ranked tennis player in the world or you're that is is that it's a totally different equation for in terms of actual like social social engagement type of scoring you know and i agree i i find it i, I and i i know a lot of people agree with this take cuz i've seen it on twitter but why is this money not being, you know, spent on? Why well, know why? I mean, they want they want their best players work quote unquote on the clock or working for the tour through their own personal channels, and that brings eyeballs back to the television broadcast. And so I get it. Like, so is that worth forty or fifty million dollars or whatever to the tour, whatever it is? Sure, I, yeah, I get that, but it's also just kind of sad as you say, to just line the pockets of your richest players for essentially not doing anything more than they would have done anyway to promote themselves and and, and uh, the tour. Yeah, so I, I, just, I think they need to... I, I think I'm okay with the program. I think it's like a good way to grow the game. I just think they need to rework what what factors they or what they factor in to make the list and then how much each area, I mean, I mean how many points are awarded per each area. So they're really the impact score includes Google searches. Like that's where Tiger Woods is probably cleans house. And they're they're looking way too much you're not if you're searching for Tiger Woods, you're not you already know about golf. You're not growing anything. Like I think seeing like Max Homa or somebody on Twitter saying something that is like recommended for you on by Twitter that could that maybe you weren't familiar with golf before, I see that growing the game a lot more than people like really worrying about who's searching for what on Google. So they look at Google searches, uh, Nielsen brand exposure rating, and a Q score, which measures the familiarity and the appeal of the player's brand, MVP index, which measures a player's reach on social media, uh, and Meltwater mentions, which tracks how often players mentioned across global media are also used. So it's D-U-M-B dumb. Yes. Yeah, so with, with those, like reading those, it makes sense that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson one, I just don't. I don't think. Can you give us the final? Do we know? Do you, did they? What did the tour publish in terms of the results of this campaign? I because I, I care so little about this hunter that I didn't even look at that. I don't think that they have released an official. I just know that. Um, obviously, Phil Mickelson won. Somebody, somebody 
leaked that Phil Mickelson won and Phil Mickelson tweeted back like saying, yes, we did win or I did win. I just think it's like people I know that didn't win. Kyle Morikawa was finished in 11th place. The arguably one of the better American golfers, young American golfers was not even on the top 10 list. Max Homa was not on the top 10 list for this, for the social media, somehow this social media driven um, list. He was not, he was not on it. So I, I don't really know. Well, that show, that's as good of an example as it being a broken system as Tiger and Phil winning because I think if you ask the golf community who has done the best job of growing golf via social media in the past year or two, the answer is most definitely Max Homa. Like He has done what no other tour players have done in terms of finding what, you know, what we would call a bit and using it in a very good, like marketable, personal fashion on social media so that you see Max Homa. Max Homa is perhaps as well known for what he does on Twitter as what he does on the golf course. Yeah. So if you were actually like, he would be deserving of an award from the tour for using social media in a way that grows the game. But he's never going to be able to put up the kind of metrics that guys with bigger names and just longer standing. It's like it's only an award for the older guys on tour unless you're like a mega mega star like right out of the gates. Yeah. And Tiger and Phil have that kind of following because they have that kind of brand which has been built over time. And it's 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 the toughest thing for me is is within the last month they just they cut the form tour. So there's no longer a de- of developmental American tour for golf, but we're giving away $40 million to the richest golfers in the world where if you fucking freaking shoot a $40 million purse season long purse for the, I mean, that's, that goes a long ways. Yeah. And it just shows you where the tourist priorities are. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's like, I don't know. I understand it, I guess from their point of view, but I, I don't like it and I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I think it's a bad use of really. I'm just get paid, resources and paid and, and more just, based off of performance performance levels, not necessarily how well somebody knows your up name. Up the on. purses for the lesser events, so we can get some of these major players to play a few more events. And I know that that's part of when you win the PIP. I guess you have to quote unquote validate it by playing an event the next year that you didn't haven't played in a few years or whatever. So they've got a little bit of that trickery built in. But if it's just filler tiger. You could probably talk them into it by paying them an appearance fee, and the the rest of the forty million can be uh, used to to boost purses or boost purses on the corn or keep the form tour alive or whatever the whatever the case may be. But you're right; we've just effectively and it was announced when it was announced. We all knew that this would happen. Yeah, there's no way anybody else and, and God bless everybody who tried. But there was no way anybody was going to keep up with Phil and Tiger. No. No, and you saw guys. You saw guys. I always see. I saw more Dylan Fratelli commenting on like Instagram posts and Jim Herman trying to be funny on Twitter and guys like that. That well, Jim Herman is, to his credit, he is funny on tour and like it's valiant effort, dude. But yeah. obviously he has no chance. No. He's Jim Herman. Yeah. You and I know who he is. Yeah. Uh, Probably nine out of ten people even listening to this podcast, which is hardcore golf fans or family members of ours, don't know who that 
Yeah, no, it's uh, so I don't know. I, something needs to change. I don't think anything will change. I think it. I think in a way it it accomplished what what the tour was trying to accomplish minus the top two guys. I think. I think if you're just trying to you're just trying to give five million dollars to your top ten players in the on the PJ tour to help them sleep easy at night and keep them here. I guess they accomplished that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Thanks a lot, Greg Norman. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I just saw that list just got bigger. I don't know if you saw that. That Saudi international list, just player that players that are playing just got substantially bigger. We'll save that for next week. Perfect. Anything more for this app? Um, ESPN Plus coverage starts Thursday. Um, seven hours daily coverage. You're gonna have to break for, down and get an account. Four individual streams. There is a. I was just reading about it. There is. I'm thirty five. F thirty five tournaments. There is four separate streams. There is a a stream that has the two featured groups. There is a um a feed that has a marquee group, which is somehow different than featured groups. There is a feed that has featured holes, and there is a feed that is the main feed, which is a collection of all all of the video put onto one source. So, I mean, we're, we're essentially seeing seven. I don't know. What was that number? That's good. So if you're thinking about whether or not you're going to get that, you can, if you want to hold off one more week, I think Hunter and I will both be consuming that this weekend. Well, it turns out I already had ESPN+. Plus. I wonder how long I've been paying for that. Just went to log in today to get all set up and <laughs> logged logged in with <laughs> the woes of a streaming world. It was already like my password was already saved to my computer. I go, <laughs> what are you? How did you get here? How long? When did I? Well, that's great news for me because I'll just be logging in on your account. Yes, that's but anyway, a full review of PJ Tour coverage on ESPN Plus coming in next week's episode. In addition to real golf, the Sony Open, a real full field event uh, just a week away. Awesome. Good luck at the Century Tournament of Champions. Same to you. Talk to you.